And so we are in now in our message in Daniel chapter 12. This is the final message in the book of Daniel. And some of you who are not so sure about this apocalyptic stuff, you're like, whoo. And some of you, I've been getting some feedback, are like, oh, man, because you, you like all this, uh, this uh, end times type talk. Uh, so either way, though, we are nearing the end of the, of the series here, and this is our last message. Now, would we all agree that Americans are impatient? I was just driving down uh, South Willow earlier this week, and I, and I went past two people that were out of their car arguing, and I didn't see the whole thing, but what, from what I could tell, uh, they were arguing because one guy wouldn't let the other guy in on the South Willow. And they were waving their hands and charging each other and then backing up and all that. And uh, look, I, I just carried along my way here. I said, uh, I, when the guns start going, I'm going to be far away from here. Uh, but Americans and many other people around the world are impatient. And I was thinking about just how good we have it today and how used to speed we are today compared to the past. For example, how many of you remember the internet from 30 years ago? Now, kids, you have it so well now. Back then, 30 years ago, this was in the 90s, you had to click on a button on your computer, the dial button. And then it would start dialing from your computer on a literal phone line, and it would make, start making all sorts of noise. So first there'd be the, you know, the hum. And then there'd be the dialing. And then there'd be that weird talking going on be in computer language. And then if it worked, you'd be connected. But sometimes you'd get a busy signal and have to go through the process all over again. And that's just to get connected to the Internet. And so finally, if everything worked at that point, you would be connected and it would be slow. I looked it up. It, when when uh, it started getting more popular, the speed was 28.8 kilobits per second. Kilobits per second. Now, compare that to today. I did a speed test on my computer at home while I was writing this, this part of the message or, or, uh, a few days ago. And my speed at that moment was 557 megabits per second. Megabits, not kilobits. And so to give you an idea of what the difference is here, young folks, this is a calculator to give you. So if, if I wanted to download a five megabyte picture with, at, at a speed of 28.8 kilobits per second, it would take two minutes and 53 seconds to download that photo. But let's say I needed to download a video, a video file. So a 500 megabyte file would take four hours and 49 minutes. And that's assuming one of, the other, one of my brothers or sisters didn't come and uh, get on the phone line while I was trying to download something. Now compare that with today. And at 557 megabits per second, it would take under a second to download a 500 megabyte file. And so this is just one of the many examples that we could see here to show just how fast we are, uh, we're used to things being nowadays. 
We don't like to wait, do we? And yet, life is a lot of hurry up and wait. And there's big things followed by a lot of waiting. And then spiritually, it's the same way. God works in our life, but then there's waiting. And then he works in our life, and it's just the slow process of growing spiritually. It's a slow process of waiting for God to do something in our life. And in our passage today in Daniel, we're going to see that Daniel is basically told the same thing that we've just seen. Wait! Wait! Not yet, Daniel. Endure to the end. And last week we looked at chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. And we, if you remember, saw that an angel had come to Daniel because Daniel was upset about what was going on. And Daniel was told by the angel, not that everything was going to be perfect right then, but that there was going to be trouble coming for the people of Israel. And then eventually God would work and God would save his people. And so let me read starting in verse, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse uh, 1, the second part of verse 1. Now, we looked at this last week. Let me read it again. But at that same time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting, uh, let's see, hold on, sorry, some to everlasting life, and, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, uh, who are wise, did I get, did I get cut off there? Uh, shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteous uh, like the stars forever and ever. Now, clearly, this is a reference to ultimately to Christ returning when all things will be made right. And at that time, there will people, there will be people that will be judged. And those that are judged that don't know Christ, well, all people will be judged, but those that don't know Christ will be going to everlasting contempt. And those that do know Christ, that have a relationship with Christ, that follow him as Lord, will go to everlasting life with God. And so Daniel didn't have all the details back then in the Old Testament times. But this was meant, this message, though not totally clear to him, this message was meant to give him hope that even in the tough times, that they were not going away anytime soon. But he could still have hope in the future. And that's why the angel says in verse 4 here, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And so he's not saying shut up in terms of hide it. But he's saying shut it up in terms of hold on to these words and don't let them go anywhere. Don't forget them, Daniel. Hold tightly during the tough days that are ahead. And during these times, tough days are still going to come up. And during, uh, in, in, in light of those tough days, we're going to see uh, in the next five verses, two questions arise about what's going to happen. 
And it's going to show sort of the, the impatience of things or the things of not wanting to wait, wanting to know what's going to happen. And some of these questions that we're going to see are questions that you and I have asked as well. So here's question one, and that is, how long? How long? And then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on this bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the water of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? So, so the, the person is saying, how long, O Lord? You're talking about these amazing things happen. But Lord, when is it going to happen? You're saying you're going to do these things, but when are you going to do it? Have any of you asked God a question like that? And the angel answers the first question with these words in verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Uh, well, thankfully, he goes into a little bit more detail in verse 11. Let's skip ahead to that. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. Everyone clear now? Now, as I've said before, from the beginning about apocalyptic literature, we don't want to get distracted in the details here and miss the bigger picture. And so the, the bigger picture, as we're going to work, walk through it, is very clear. As a, and, I'll, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but the, the details are up for a lot of discussion. In fact, this particular passage, there's a lot of discussion about what these numbers mean, over what the numbers represent. And, 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 and I've talked about before how numbers in apocalyptic literature can be very symbolic as well. And so it's likely that the angel is referring to an immediate event that's going to take place. But like most prophecies, it's also referring to an ultimate fulfillment down the road. And so some of you, though, are not happy with my very brief description there. You like the details. And so if you're more broad here, just, just hang on for just a moment. And uh, I tried to come up with a good explanation of this on my own, and I was just starting to get a headache. So I'm going to read for you word for word what one commentary, what one theologian says, just to appease some of you out there that like the details here. And so Ian Duguid writes this. The answer to the question how long has two parts. It will be for a time, times, and half a time. And it will be for 1,290 days. Broadly speaking, both of these terms can be used to describe periods that are around three and a half years. 
What is more significant here, however, is that the different terms are used to describe the same time span. Three and a half times focuses on this period and half of seven times uh, as half of seven times, which would be a complete period of judgment. In contrast to such a period, complete period of judgment, this period of trials is limited, cut short in its length. Meanwhile, 1,290 days focuses on the precision with which the period is measured. And it's not just a vague period of judgment, but one that is predetermined by God down to the very end when it will end. A third note is sounded by the inclusion of the additional figure of 1,335 days in Daniel 12.12, which adds 45 days to the 1,290-day period and tells us that the saints will need to persevere all the way to the end of this longer period. The inclusion of this number seems seems designed to heighten the sense of mystery that surrounds the Lord's timing and the need for faithful perseverance on the parts of the saints. Even when, according to human wisdom, God's arrival seems to be overdue, though the time for God to complete his work may may, may seem to have come, his people will still have to wait patiently for the end. So some of you are like, ah, and some of you are like, huh? And that's fine, wherever you're at here. Um, But that's sort of the main idea, the details of the passage. But for those of you who just want the big picture, here it is in more Kyle language here, that life is not always going to be hunky-dory for followers of God. In a nutshell, that's what it's getting at. But in the end, God will work it out. Now let's go back to verse 8, and let's look at the second question. And that is, how? How? How is it going to take place? Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And by the way, if you're a little confused reading this passage, Daniel was as well. So you're in good company. So Daniel is asking, how? How? He he wants details of what was said. And occasionally, uh, when I'm reading a book, I get maybe a tenth or a quarter of the way in, and I decide that this book is not going to be worth my time. It's a little interesting. I'm a little curious about some of the, some of the storylines, but it's not worth 10 to 20 hours of my time. And so what I do is when I want to fast forward is I cheat a little bit. I go and search online for the book plot of the story. I read the plot in about, you know, five minutes And then I'm done with the book, and I happily move on to a book that I feel is better. And I think if Daniel uh, would have—I think Daniel would have done probably the same thing from time to time. Because he seems to like to know details. He wants to know what's going on. He doesn't want to have to wait all the way to the end. He wants to know. But let's see what the angel tells him in response to his question. He says, go your way, Daniel, 
for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Skipping ahead to verse 13. But go your way to the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So the angel is essentially telling Daniel, mind your own business and keep doing what we've told you to do. Just keep enduring. Saying, Daniel, you do what you're supposed to do and you leave the rest up to us. I would be the first to say that that can be frustrating to hear. That we're going through these tough times and that we want to know what's going to happen. We want the details. But God's saying, no, you, you don't need to know all the details. You just need to endure. And this is essentially the message of Daniel 12. And so the message that we're going to look at here, I'm going to talk about a little bit more, is that in difficult times, we are called to patiently endure. We're called to patiently endure. And so for the rest of the time, I'm going to talk about how we do that. How do we do what the angel is telling Daniel to do? How do we patiently endure when we don't have all the details? When things aren't going our way. And so I'm going to give you four things that we can see from this passage or from Daniel's life as a whole that we should do as we endure. And so here's the first one. And that is, wait patiently upon what? Upon the Lord. Daniel is told to shut up the message. Meaning, he's saying, hold on to the message. And likewise, as we wait, we should patiently hold on to that same message. Not on ourselves. We should not wait on ourselves to do it, but wait on the Lord. And this is a theme all throughout the Bible. For example, uh, Isaiah 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall not, or they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Or in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And so don't just wait, wait upon the Lord, eagerly looking. To him as you're waiting, as you're enduring. And you may wonder, though, Kyle, how do we do that? How do we wait upon the Lord? Do we just go to our rooms and twiddle our thumbs and, and say, Lord, I'm waiting. God. Well, thankfully, Paul gives us an idea of what we're doing. In, in, the, tongue, in the context of anxiety, he tells us, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, what does he tell us to do? By prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so Paul here is telling us that this is the second thing we can do while we're waiting. While we wait, we can pray, we can ask God for help, and we can uh, give thanksgiving to God. So we can pray and ask him for help and give thanksgiving. So, so we're not supposed to just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. And we're, we're told to, hey, spend time with God. And if you remember, you, you, you saw Daniel doing that in, earlier in the book. Daniel was in the middle of Babylon waiting for God to move. And what was he doing? He was on his knees in prayer. And so I want to encourage you. Praise him. Pray to him. Ask him for help. And thank him for all the things that he's already done in your life. Daniel was constantly in prayer. And may we also be in prayer as well. And so when we proactively wait upon the Lord in prayer, what it does is it protects ourselves from wandering or getting distracted. And so to, to illustrate this, I'm going to invite three of my kids up to the stage here. So come on up here. So this is uh, Grace here. Grace is in the front. Uh, so Grace, why don't you stand right there? This is Julia. Julia, you can stand right there. And uh, Paul, why don't you stand right there? Julia, come on right over here. Thank you. Um, so... If you hadn't noticed, they at times can be distracting, to to put it mildly here. And so for this illustration, they're going to play the role of distractions. And so go ahead and um, you can go ahead and just start calling my name. Okay, continue it on here. Now... While I'm just standing up here, not doing anything, and my name is called, what would I do? I would, I would be like looking towards them. Oh, oh, distractions here. Uh, but I, I, I see that they want me, and maybe I've just said something. to Maybe I've just looked at them, but they're calling my name more and more. But what if I intentionally choose to focus on something else while they're distracting me. Not going to be easy, but instead of just turning to every distraction, what do you want? 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 What if I then chose to instead then intentionally focus on prayer? And so what if I then chose to pray during the distractions? What if I chose to thank God during distractions, to, to, to ask God for help? And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray while the distractions are going on. And when I do that, I can be a little bit more intentional about what I'm keeping my life focused on. Now, it's not, it's not easy, is it? And in real life, this can be hard at times. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. And this is more like real life, right? And so as we're going through life, it, it, this feels like life, doesn't it? You're like, oh, they're not just calling my name. Things are getting thrown at me. And as they're getting thrown at me, though, we are called to intentionally stay focused and praying. And as we have this intentionality to our lives, 
This will help us get through enduring. There you go. I'm, I'm fighting back here. So instead, stay intentional about focusing. And that helps you through. Is it easy? No. Is it going to work every time? No. But Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. All right. Thank you, kids. Let's go ahead and give them a hand as they head on down there. Here's the third thing that we can do. Trust. Trust. Daniel had a decision to make. He could either trust or not trust. But he chose to trust what God was saying through the angel. He chose to trust God by continuing to pray at the cost of being sent to the lion's den. That's trust right there. And this is not easy here, what I'm saying. But God is calling us, he is calling his people to trust that he will follow through with what he says he will do. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So for example, when, when your understanding says panic, God says trust. When your understanding says uh, 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 run away and scream, God says trust in me. Because you're not called to rely on your own emotions or your own feelings over God. No, you're to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. I read a story about a guy named, a teenager named Jacob Smith. At the time of the writing, he was 15 years old, and he was a free-ride skier. He's also legally blind. His vision acuity is 2,800, which is four times the legal, uh, the level of legal blindness. This raises the question, right? How does a legally blind person make it down a mountain? And the answer is, uh, they talked about in the article, that in competition days, his little brother Preston uh, hikes him, helps him hike up to the top of the mountain, to the venue. Usually lifts don't get that, that high enough, they said. And then uh, Jacob begins to ski, and his father Nathan guides him on a two-way radio down the mountain. And this is what his dad said. He said, it's on me to make sure I don't let him down. I have to guide him through narrower chutes or not go off a cliff. No pressure, right? And Jacob, for, for this uh, little article, was asked how much he trusted his father. And in typical teenage fashion, he, he, his response was, I mean, enough to turn right when he tells me to. <laughs> and I think that's a good description of what we're called to do with God. It's not going to be perfect trust, but we are called to turn right when God tells us to. And so may we have that same kind of trust as well. Here's the fourth and the last thing that we can do while we endure, and that is hope. 
hope. If you remember from chapter 11, Daniel was upset. He didn't like that his people were suffering. And during this time of suffering, the message was that more suffering was going to come, but ultimately it would end well for everyone that followed Christ, that followed God. And the entire message from Daniel in chapter 11 and 12 is a message of hope, as I talked about. Now, I usually try to stay away from birthing illustrations just because that's not my area of expertise, if you catch what I'm saying here. But this idea here is the very reason why people still want to have babies after going through the horrible experience of having a baby. There's pain and there's suffering and there's stretching and there's tearing and agony and all of these things. I mean, I I didn't even go through it myself and I was traumatized just by watching it. But in the end, it's worth it because you have a, a little baby that's your own that you hold in your arms. And what happens a few years later? Well, even though you know all the pain that you're going to go through, you still want to have another baby. Now, I know I've oversimplified things here, but this is the same idea when we suffer here on earth. It stinks. We don't like it. And God's not going to take away all the pain here on earth for us. But wait. Better things are coming for those that are in Jesus Christ. And I shared this last part of the message uh, at the memorial service yesterday. And so if you were here, you can just follow along here. You already know what I'm about to read. But I want to close with a letter that someone wrote the evangelist Billy Graham. And the person wrote Billy Graham and said, I know you preachers like to talk a lot about heaven, but I don't think anybody really cares about heaven anymore. I know I don't. I have enough problems right now. Why should I think about heaven? And I want you to see what Billy Graham said in response. He said, I'm sorry you don't care much about heaven or think about it very much. Because if you did, it would make a major difference in your life right now. Let me explain. You see, if you truly understood heaven's reality, it would change your attitude toward your problems in your whole life. If this life is all there is, then we don't have any reason to hope our lives will ever be better. Injustices will never be made right. Pain and illness will never go away. Broken relationships will never be healed. Sorrow and disappointment will never be banished, at least not completely. But in heaven, everything will be changed. And that makes all the difference. Even when it seems to turn against us, we can have hope. Hope that God is with us right now. And hope that someday everything will be made right. In heaven, the Bible says there will be no more pain or mourning, or crying, or sorry, sorry uh, no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the, for the old order of things has passed away. Don't focus only on your life right now. Focus also on heaven and hope it gives us a life beyond the grave. 
And the reality of the Christian life is that this world that we're in right now is not our home. That we're just passing through. And one day, when you make it home, all the pain and the suffering will be in the past. And you will one day be able to look back and declare, God, that time was tough, but you have made all things right. But until then, church, endure and hope. Daniel didn't always know what was going on. At times, life was hard for him. Life was confusing. But instead of giving up, he endured to the end. And he waited upon the Lord. He prayed. He trusted. He hoped. And as you go through difficult times as well, I would encourage you, don't give up. Patiently wait upon the Lord. Pray, trust, and hope. Because we know in Christ, one day he will make all things better. I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer.